0: aside your anxieties and your worries this morning, and let's just sing and worship together and enter the the presence of the Lord together. Preserve me, O God, for I find rest in you alone. I say to the Lord You are my Lord I have no good Apart from you Sons and daughters Brothers, sisters My delight Let's sing together whether God shall satisfy God you satisfy in your presence. fallen for me in pleasant places a beautiful inheritance in your presence there is for I see your power. together and we will see you'll be beautiful Ooh. Ooh. when we arrive at eternity shore where death is just a rival me with a melody you surround I'm no longer We're so grateful to be here together in your presence this morning. Lord, we we are no longer slaves to fear. Lord, we are your children, born again. Our identity is found in you, and we are so grateful and thankful for that. And we strive to live our lives um, with that in mind and and living for you, Lord. Just ask you to open our hearts and minds this morning uh, to receive the message that you have for us. In your name, amen.
1: Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Whether you're here in person or joining us online, uh, Stotts, thank you. So many cool instruments, songs, man. Thanks, guys. Uh, Well, welcome to Northview. My name is Rob. I work with the students here. We have a few things now that we are fully into the new year that we wanted to make sure you are aware of. So first up, uh, ladies, there are a couple Bible studies that are starting especially for you, that we want to encourage you. If you haven't been part of one or are not currently signed up, uh, this is a great opportunity, great time of year to start into a new study. You can see there's one up there uh, that starts January 10th. That's today. It's okay to still jump in. Even if it's not till next week, they will still, the, the ladies will still love you and they will welcome you in as one of their own. But want to encourage you, head on to the website and you can see the information for both the one that starts today and the one that starts this coming Thursday. And you can see uh, the Sunday one is online, so you can enjoy church either in person or at home and then head home and jump online and be part of that study. And then Thursday, either in person or online, whatever you are comfortable with. But there's more information if you head online or if you have the Church Center app, you can check that out there. We are still reading our Bibles. We're 10 days into the new year. We want to be encouraging you. It's a great year. I I think we could agree. We could look back. We don't even need 2020 right now, right? I think we can just look back on the first 10 days of 2021 and be like, oh, my goodness, Jesus, we need you. And a great way to do that is to be engaged in Scripture, to see God himself revealed. Uh, If you've fallen off, if you had every intention of starting and haven't or couldn't or forgotten it's okay just jump in wherever you are just pick it up it's about spending time in the word each day it's not about completing a checklist or seeing how fast you can go or trying to beat somebody else but just want to encourage if you head online we have a variety of options a variety of different plans that can help you with whatever you need to do with your bible however it works best for you and then my recommendation is always find someone else find an accountability partner that can read with you and you guys can tag and share ideas and thoughts each day but we want to keep encouraging you spend time in the word Uh, with it being a new year uh, we have a little bit of business on the northview side uh, and that is primarily the budget so the 2021 uh, budget is being finalized it will be available starting next sunday now unfortunately with everything going on we're not going to have well the first half of this is probably not unfortunate we're not going to have a business meeting i know most people are probably Oh, that's fine but we're also not going to be able to have the family meal that we usually have at the same time. Instead, we're taking everything online, and this week the staff, we're going to put together just the highest quality, most informational-filled video you have ever seen. So be prepared. That's going to be online next Sunday for you to check out. The elders will be available. Uh, If you're here in person, the elders will be available the next couple Sundays in the lobby to answer questions off of the budget. Uh, If you're at home, you can reach out to Shannon, uh, his email address is nview.org and he would love to help answer any questions that you may have. Uh, and then on the 31st, so the final Sunday of January, voting is going to be available all day online. So we won't be gathering together for that vote. It's all heading online. E-news over the next couple weeks, our emailed newsletter, is going to have all of that information. If you do not currently receive E-news, this is a great opportunity to sign up. You can find myself, Steve, Shannon, Zeb, Kayla, Anyone on staff, and we can help get you signed up for that after church today. All right. Well, hey, as we get ready uh, to dive in this morning, as always, we're continuing with physical drop-offs for tithe and offering can be done in the box. You can always head online or drop a check in the mail. Uh, But let's go to the Lord this morning. Uh, Jesus, as we put together a budget, this isn't our money. It's not our plans. It's yours. May we seek you as we put together facts and figures and we try to present it in a way that's understandable even to us, Lord. May, may it be about aligning our will with yours. And everything that we do in this new year, Lord, may it have an, a positive impact on your kingdom, especially in our community here. Be with us this morning, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Steve, come on up. Middle school, head on out.
2: Thanks, Rob, and I was impressed you included me on the tech side that I could help people sign up. (laughs) I've come a long way. That's awesome. Hey, good morning, everybody, and online. Welcome, online family. We're glad to have you. Uh, A couple things uh, before we get started. One, uh, next Sunday, so... James and Sarah have come on staff, and because of COVID and everything, normally what we would have done is thrown a big party, right? We'd had a big family meal, piled everything in, we'd have sat them up here and shared their stories and done all that together, just had a a kicking good time doing the whole thing, and we haven't been able to do any of that. So what we decided to do is we're going to interrupt the series for one Sunday, and we're going to have James and Sarah come up here, and we're going to have them share their testimonies and their journey of how they got here, because not everybody's had a chance to talk to them, not everybody's had a chance... To listen to them, and so we thought it'd be really good to just do that in the best format we've got, which is this right here. So they're going to share their stories, and uh, we'll have a question and answer thing going. It'll be it'll be great fun. Then the next two Sundays, James is going to speak, so it'll give us a chance to just hear James again, and uh, he'll just continue in Philippians. I will be teaching at Adelphia Bible School that week, and so I'll be out there. James just taught this week; he filled in, and uh, I'll be out there next week. And so the Sunday before and Sunday after, he'll cover for me. So I'll be here, but I'll be sitting there taking notes. All right. So we'll be we'll be together, and we'll get to hear James and look forward. So James, Sarah, wave. There they are, up front. Okay. And if you're online, you see the back of their heads. They're very handsome. There you go. That's good. Uh, the other thing is, I think it, as Rob well said, uh, you know, continued prayer for our country. Right. I, I mean. Uh, for God to help bring peace to the flaming rhetoric, I mean we are cannibalizing each other right now, and I just think James's advice in the book of James uh, is really good. We should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and the last one, slow to get angry. Right? Let's uh, let's take this to the Lord. Let's let's slow it down. Right? Let's ask the Lord to give us presence of mind and presence of spirit, and not be reactionary, and uh, to help Him. Right? So peace. So. Uh, take that. We're going to pray this morning. So would you join me? Let's pray. Father, we, we pray this morning not because we have to. We pray this morning and we always pray because you listen. You told us you're here. You told us you listen. You told us to seek you in prayer. You said that if we'd humble ourselves and come before you, you would answer. And we have taken that to heart, Lord. We, we come before you not because we know your word so well. Lord, there are so many layers in your word and in your creation, uh, just having a great chat with Lisa Porter this morning, Lord. And the things you've just put in the constellations and the stars, and there's so much we don't know. But we trust what we do know. We trust what you've revealed to us through your Son. And we come this morning, this wonderful book of Philippians uh, that Paul wrote, and we've, we've gotten so much out of it. And we know there's more there than even we can pull from it. And so we seek you this morning that you, by your Spirit, would engage with us, You'd have conversations that uh, it would be going around, and Lord, if someone hears you and not the message, that would be fantastic. So we give that to you a great hope this morning uh, for what you're trying to accomplish. We hope, our hearts is that we're cooperating with you, and we ask for this in humility and pray this in your name. Amen. All right. All right, so we're back to Philippians, so grab your Bibles or your phone or uh, whatever is your fancy uh, these days. All right, and we're in Philippians 3, so let's start, we're going to start with a couple verses before, verses 14 and 16, just to set the tone and then we'll march into the verses for today. Paul says this, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, right? That's the target. There's the big target right there. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. We said last week that the the prize of the upward call was in Christ Jesus. right? That that's where it's contained. And actually, the prize of the upward call is Jesus. Jesus is his own reward. I want to underline that, emphasize it, capitalize it, exclamation point it. There's not a better way to say it. When you get Jesus, you've got what you need to get. It's the best. Jesus is the reward of heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's go there, right? Paul is saying, set your mind on these things, or anchor. okay, Anchor there. And Paul says that if you're mature, you will think this way. And if if there are differences, ask God for wisdom. As James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will grant wisdom. But don't ask with double-minded because you're going to be unstable in everything you do if you do that. You've got to believe, and you've got to believe he'll answer. And then hold on to what you've attained. In other words, don't give up and don't go backwards, okay? If anything, just dig in your heels and hold where you are, even if you're really discouraged. Hang in there, keep believing. Uh, Don't well, he just repeats this idea in so many places. Uh, look at me in the book of Colossians for a minute. Just keep your finger in Philippians. Flip one book over to Colossians. and Colossians chapter 3, right? So we're in chapter 3 is a lot here in, in this study. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, if you've been raised with Christ, in other words, if you've come to know him, if you've been born again, if you have come into a living relationship with him, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Both of these passages, now these have been misunderstood because they've often been called pie-in-the-sky religion, right? You're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. And the idea is that everything down here is bad and everything up there is good, so don't do anything down here at all. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is think of down here in light of the kingdom and how that connects to the kingdom and how that connects to the earth and the world that you live in. Okay? It's saying don't put your hopes on the stuff that this planet promises you because it can be taken from you very easily. It can disappear very quick. Okay? And so set your stuff on the things that are eternal, the things that can't get, where rust and moth can't take it away. And so in both of these passages, there's this exhortation to set our mind on things above, to aim at them. And now, right, sometimes that's hard to do. Duh, right? And I realized standing here this morning, I'm, I'm talking to the group here and also to, to my friends online, and uh, I don't know how many of you are or where you are or you know, how you're watching, but I realize there's all kinds of difficult situations that I have no idea what is really going on and what people are going through. Now, I know a few of them because you show up in my office, right? But I don't know all of them, and I don't know all the pressures you're under. I don't know the things that are struggles for you. And people could be saying, uh, or more likely thinking most often, uh, you know, that's easy for you to say, Pastor, you live in your ivory tower here at the church, and you don't have to deal with the real world So, you know, you wouldn't understand, you know, how this is actually really working. And my comeback to this is this. When Paul wrote this, the guy who wrote it, being Paul, was no ivory tower theologian, right? He was a boots-to-the-ground theologian and led by example. And he knew what he was going through. He knew it was going to be tough. And he also knew what his own battles were as well. You don't have to read far in the New Testament to find out what he was up against. And he is challenging us, like himself, to keep our focus on the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. The kingdom is here. Keep your eyes on that as it's happening in this world. Don't just pay attention just to this world, because this world will lie to you. And he uses his own life as a model and illustration. Go back to Philippians now, all right? Get out of Colossians, go back to Philippians. And we're back in Philippians 3, verse 17. It says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Notice in the exhortation, the exhortation is plural. He says, us. Who's the us, right? Uh, what is who's Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about himself, obviously. He's talking about Timothy, right? We ran into Timothy. Paul said there's none like him. He's talking about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus has always been uh, the symbol of the sacrificial servant, person who goes all out for the kingdom. And then there were other leaders who were attached to him, Silas, Luke, Apollos, others, etc. right? He says, you've watched us. We came through. You saw how we operated. Follow that pattern. Follow our example. And obviously, now when somebody's doing that, there's a reason for it, right? Right? You don't say do this or follow this Why? because there's something else usually going on, and in this case there was. Uh, there's a reason behind it, and it comes to us in the next verse in Philippians. Look at verse 18. For many, of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Okay? Now here we're running into something that we've not run into before. Previous to this, we've run into the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were people who were saying that, yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but he died so that we would take and fulfill the whole law. And, and so therefore you have to keep the law, you have to be circumcised, you have to do the sacrificial law, all of this, and that's what Paul was countering before. Now we run into another group and they're called the Antimonians, right? Now, they don't have that name yet. They didn't pick up that name till Martin Luther and the Reformation. And Martin Luther ran into this group, uh, this expression, this, this way of thinking, and he worked against that. Um, and it came to be known as the Antinomian, right? And basically what antinomian is is the view that christians are released by grace from the obligation observing the moral law now we would say uh yes to that in terms of salvation right but we would say no to that in terms of we're obligated to obey the moral law right so there's there's a catch 22 here what what's really going on when once you piece it out it makes total sense um This term actually means against law. And uh, like I said, it might be a little confusing. But Paul talked a lot about this uh, in the first part of the gospel with the Judaizers. Now he comes up for this. And um, we run into this in the first part of the chapter about the law, where Paul seems to be saying the same thing. Look at uh, chapter 3. Just go up a couple verses to verse 8 and 9. It says, For his sake... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as but rubbish. These are famous verses, right? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So it sounds like they're saying the same thing. Paul goes a lot further with this thought. If you want to take this further, you can read Galatians, you can read Romans, right? It plays out in both of those books. But in all of his thought, he's working against the group known as the Judaizers. Uh, the Judaizers were a group that uh, said that what Jesus had provided by grace was allowed to keep us, therefore, we are obligated to keep the whole law. The guy, this, I put this diagram together. This may help us understand this. If you look at it, it's on one side of the continuum, we have the Judaizers, right? That's the law. Circumcision, the sacrificial system, all of that kind of stuff. Then in the middle, you have Christianity, saved by grace, obedience to the Holy Spirit. And then the antinomians, which is no law, which is freedom, and which eventually translates out to appetites. Remember, Paul said their God is their belly, all right? It it has to do with appetites. So what are we really saying here? We, me, what am I saying? Um, let me try and make it clear so it makes sense to you. So I began to read up on this, and man, there's a ton on this, all right? So I realized there's been a huge discussion on this because it has to do with the swing in here. And uh, different groups charge different groups with different accusations, like today, right? And uh, so all down through the history of church, and we're not going to be able to cover it, but I think I can put it in a nutshell that will help us. So spe- specifically, what applies to this morning is that Paul's addressing a group of people who were falling into error. And the question is, what error was it? Well, the simple form of the argument, and again, like I said, there's a lot more to it, but is that there is no law that applies to the Christians since Christ has set us free from the law. That, that's almost right, right? It's really close. This was especially applied, uh, they even felt this applied to the moral law found in the Old Testament and even the Ten Commandments. Where the error came in, Right? Here's where the error came in. Where the error came in, and this is what Paul is addressing in the passage, because we don't have the context for that, is that um, Christ has set me free from the law, and I'm therefore free to do whatever I want. Right? That sounds fun. Especially sexually. And almost always where error comes in, what you're going to find is once error locks in, there's always some form of deviant sexuality that follows it. It's just like clockwork, okay? Uh, You can see it in our country. You can see it in churches. You can see it in people. Um, And the biblical term for that is licentiousness. Isn't that a great word? Licentiousness. just kind of rolls off your tongue. That's an old, old word. Uh, If you have a King James Bible and you read it, you'll find it in the King James Bible. But licentiousness means I cast off all sexual restraint or rules. I don't have to uh, submit to those. The extreme expression of this is that I can act any way I please sexually because Christ has freed me from the law. In other words, I'm not condemned because I can just do it because I've been freed in Christ. That's where the is. Does that make sense? Paul is absolutely distressed by this kind of thinking, particularly towards a church that he dearly loves. <clears throat> Look at the passage again in verse 18. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. He's in tears over this thing. Good people, Christian people, have gone off the rails sexually thinking that they're actually serving Christ. Paul points out that they are doing anything but that. They have actually become, and this is a scary term, enemies of the cross of Christ. The end of someone who operates this way, Paul says, is destruction, okay? So Paul says it's not going where they say it's going. It's wrecking them and those who are following him. It says the the statement in in that passage, their God is their belly, means that they're swayed and ruled by their appetites, okay? Now, instantly, that's going to cause all of us after Christmas great guilt, right? Christmas comes, boy inflates, all right, so... Right? But think with me for a second. We have a lot of different appetites. We have appetite for food, we have appetites for stuff, appetites for bodies. Particularly to this last phrase is the phrase Paul attaches to it uh, with their appetite, their, their belly is their God, is the uh, phrase, their glory is in their shame. And he's referring to the illicit nature of the sexual immorality that was being carried on by this group of people because they, quote, had freedom in Christ and weren't under the law. It's important to note that, um, well, in other words, how we, they're flaunting, right? They were throwing it in other people's face and getting away with it. Uh, And it's important to note that that when you start something like this, it doesn't start with that expression. That's way down the tracks over here. It starts way over here, and where that kind of thinking takes place is it starts in our head, right? It starts in our thoughts. That's why there's so much scripture that says, get control of your thoughts. Clean up here, because if you clean up here, you don't have to worry about there, okay? If you don't clean up here, then it's really easy to drift and end up over here, and that's what the antimonians had done. They had drifted. The cultivating of a sexual appetite begins in our heads. With the internet, there's no limit to the ability to develop a sexually immoral appetite these days. Okay? Think about the difference that exists today versus 40 years ago. Right? 40 years ago, your options were really limited uh, in terms of what you could do. Today, today, It's a click. You're only one click away. No matter where you go on the internet, you're one click away, right? And so it requires discipline. It requires obedience. But again, the cultivating the sexual appetite begins in our thoughts, begins in our mind. Uh, And what it's talking about here, this this shameful, uh, the glory is in their shame, was uh, the lust for bodies, this particular group was saying they were above reproach because they were still in Christ. So they were still claiming to follow. But it wasn't tracking. And that the law did not apply to them. Now, doesn't that sound like today? I mean, right, you could pull this right off the headlines. I saw three of them this week. I said, wow, I could flash those up on the screen and be right here. I decided not to give them credit for it. So the question is, does the moral law still apply today? You know, there was a huge battle in the 80s. Any of you remember the 80s? Some of you do. Remember the 80s? Remember Jerry Falwell and the Moral Majority, right? And uh, what that was about was the essence of the movement was that a vast majority of Americans at that time, 80%, 80% approved, if silently, of the biblical morality and ethics. And the move, of moral majority, was to reinstate those morals and ethics back into our culture. Right? The reaction was swift and severe. The mantra was, keep your ethics off my body. Remember that? Some of you don't. You weren't even there. Okay? Look it up. <laughs> Real history. Everybody who's laughing is there with me. Thank you. <laughs> right? Keep your ethics off my body. And the other mantra was that, hey, ethics can't be legislated. That was the big push. You cannot uh, legislate ethics. But we found out that that's totally bogus. That's not true at all. You certainly can uh, legislate ethics. Ethics and morals are being legislated every day, and it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. Right? They're being legislated every day, and much of what's being legislated is being legislated against God. Okay? We are in a state of blasphemy in our country uh, in our reactions to Almighty God and the rules that we're putting in place. That's the spirit of the antimonian. And Paul points out, rather than being free, what they're actually doing is shameful. Uh, If you look at Romans 1, look at Romans 1, verse 32. I have it up on the screen there for you. But it says, though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Uh, If you're not familiar with Romans 1, I'd uh, I'd encourage you to read the rest of that chapter as it lays out much of what Paul's trying to express here in Philippians 3. It's an explosion of that idea. Uh, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 is one of the scariest passages in the Bible. Uh, Also expresses a very similar idea to what Paul is saying here in Philippians. In Hebrews 6, verses 4-6, through it says this, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. That would be this picture of what the antimonians were doing is flaunting it in the face of Jesus and saying, you got to cover this, right? And God's going, no, not really. Verses 7 and 8 For land that is drunk, the rain that often falls on it, and in Seattle, we understand rain, and produces a crop useful for those for whose sake it's been cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. In other words, Hebrews saying there's a very real distinction between somebody who's following the Lord and somebody who's not following the Lord and it's the fruit or evidence of their life. Uh, Jesus told us that we would know them by their fruits. Right? The fruit of the Animonians was holding Jesus in contempt. As I said, very similar to many of the Old Testament stories that we know and what Paul had to deal with in the Corinthian church. Remember that all that? That's all part of that as well. This expresses... Uh, the same idea as when Paul, Hebrews 6 expresses the same idea as when Paul said their end is destruction. This is what he's talking about. It's frightening, right? Those are some scary verses. Uh, but Hebrews 6 goes on to say this as an encouragement so that we don't all freak out this morning. All right? Hebrews 6, 9, 11 says, Though we speak this way, I love this. Okay, Even though I had to talk that way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. That's one of the biggest in all the New Testament. Though we speak this way, and yet your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish. But imitators, there's that phrase again, imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Paul said, watch our, not just our words, watch our life. Watch what we're doing. So we're saved from the law in regards to salvation, but because we're now saved, we're now under a new law. The law of love or what's known as the moral law. We want to reflect the ethics of heaven. We want to reflect the character of Jesus. We're to become like him, right? As he most famously said, Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So he's saying you can't use other people to get to the kingdom. As Paul says in Galatians 5, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. So what this means is if we should act like heaven because we belong to heaven, right? We should conduct our bodies within in holiness because they will be transformed into His image. And one of the big things that gets dropped out in the picture of Jesus, especially in the modern context and the contemporary dialogue about Him, is holiness. Jesus was absolutely holy, And that's that's a fact we we look over, that although he came down and experienced everything we did and was tempted such as we are in all things, he was holy. He did not sin. That's what we're measuring up against. So we should conduct ourselves as citizens of that country that we belong to. That's probably a really good encouragement for 2021. You think there'll be any temptations this year? Right? Right? Uh, certainly, that did not happen this week in our nation's capital. Right? We belong to heaven, and we should act accordingly. Paul underlines this. Look at look at uh, verse twenty and twenty one. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we will await a Savior. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body, by the power that enables Him even to subject all things. In other words, that body you've got that you may find a few faults with and and may not be all too happy with, hang on. It's going to get better, okay? It's going to get better. The phrase, our citizenship is in heaven, would have resonated with the Philippian church because they themselves understood it, right? They were in Greece, they were uh, uh, in uh, a city in Greece, but they were citizens of Rome. Remember those civil wars that were fought and they were given that special status? So even though they were in Greece, they felt like they were Italians and Romans. Most of them had never been to Rome, but they thought like Romans because they were given that special status. That's what Paul is saying. We should be thinking the same way. Paul is using the analogy, though of earth, we are citizens of heaven and we are waiting just as they were waiting, the Philippian church, for the coming of the Savior, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has the power to subject all things to himself. And because of that, he has the power to give us a resurrection body. And what Paul's saying is don't give up on that. So often we quit because we get discouraged or it doesn't look like something's going to happen. And we quit halfway through. Any of you done home improvement projects? Right? And you ever get halfway through and go, why did I start this? Like, what was I thinking? Are you, are you kidding me? Right? And sometimes we get that way with the Christian faith, too. Like, you mean I've spent 40 years at this, and this is how far I've gotten? you got to be kidding me. Really? I don't think I've grown a day. Well, that's not true. You've grown a lot. But you can't see it. Okay? Only God can truly measure how you've grown. It's very similar to kids. Okay? If, if you live with... In the neighborhood with family and the kids that are growing up, you see them every day, or your own kids, you see them every day. You're not too surprised or suppressed, uh, impressed that they're growing. You go, yeah, they're okay, they're changing. But if you don't see them uh, in in uh, up in my office, uh, I have pictures of Matthew, my son, and there's one from his freshman year, one from his sophomore year, one from his junior year, and the difference is astronomical. Okay, he goes from a kid and a boy to a man. It's like boom, and I forget someone who walked in this week said, who's that on your show? They didn't even recognize him because they hadn't seen him for a long time, right? That's, that's how it's going to be with the Lord because he knows what we're going to look like. And it am going to look anything like this. So it's, it's really, uh, look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. He talks about how this is going to change what is sown is what is sown is perishable what is raised is imperishable it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it's talking about our bodies here okay so what is perishable and fading and falling apart if you're over 40 you understand that uh, it will be it, it's going to work it's got an unlimited warranty really cool okay it's sown in dishonor it's raised in glory It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And thus it is written the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. Okay? It's talking about the difference between the ministry of Adam and the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Adam was temporary, the ministry of Jesus is eternal. And so he's got to have that kind of mindset. So now. Let's reread the passage from both last week and this week and just put it all together. Just soak in this now. We've walked through it. Let's just read the whole thing together and and with all the facts you've got, fill this in. It reads like this. Paul is saying this. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. All things to himself. Uh, This is a great time to pray. This is a great time to look up. We need to own him because he's owned us, right? Mutual ownership, reciprocal. As you have grabbed me, so I grab you. Keep leaning in, church. Let's keep leaning into his word. Let's be a church that knows his word. Let's keep leaning into his spirit. Let's keep leaning into obedience and let us lead, let us, let him lead us. I got to say that right? Let him lead us through 2021. Did we have any idea what 2020 would be? Do you think we've got 2021 pegged? No, we don't. By faith, okay? Let's do this thing. Let's pray. Father, these are really inspirational, challenging Things that most of us have a hard time hitting. But they inspire us. They tell us what we could be. They tell us how you see us. Lord, the fact that you would be proud of us is a shocking thought to most of us. And Lord, we, we know how we dabble and we, we piddle around and we play with things that we shouldn't play with. And we, we see a whole group of people that just utterly derailed sexually and it, it crushed Paul's spirit because it came from a church church that he loved, that had been a a dear and wonderful support to him. Lord, we want to finish well. We want to make it to the end. We want to be ready and watching for you. We pray that you would help us this year. We seek you that we would track well and that we would act, look, smell, taste, feel like citizens of heaven. And we seek you for that in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Steve. Please rise as you are able and let's close in worship together.
2: Isaac and Haley a hand of appreciation to you. Great job. Thank you, guys. This song is emphasizing what we talked about in the passage. Great is his faithfulness, even in 2021. God is not caught by surprise. The Holy Spirit is not overwhelmed by it. He's not intimidated by the Northwest or the United States or the world or COVID or one world government or the Great Reset or any of that stuff. He's got it marked. He's got it mapped. We just have to stay tight on him. That makes sense? All right, let's pray. Father, keep our eyes on you. Help us day in, day out, hour by hour, minute by minute. Help us track. Help us stay trusting. Help us stay close. And give that to you in your name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed and blessed. At home, we'll see you next week. Guys, out the back doors. Thank you.